If you had to pick one word to be synonymous with yoga, what would it be? You might say union, oneness. I think a lot of people, most people, if you just ask someone randomly on the street, they would say flexibility. You ask people, do they do yoga? And they might say, yeah, I tried it, but I'm not flexible, so I, I don't do it. And as I, this injury, whatever, you know, so there's this sort of connotation that yoga equals flexibility. So it's important to think about what does flexibility even mean and how are we attaining this goal if that is the goal of yoga. And that's something I'm going to talk about today on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast and sharing some insights from the yoga teacher training, the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training that I lead uh, over at quietmind.yoga. So right now in the training, we're in the exercise module where I talk about different types of stretching to achieve this goal of flexibility, if that is the goal at all. And many people think of there's just stretching, right? And this was how I thought early on, and maybe you think this way too, it's just stretching is stretching. You just reach for your toes and you're stretching the back of your leg. Pretty simple. But there's at least four different types of stretching that I'm going to talk about on today's episode and share how we can achieve this possible goal of flexibility. And the first thing I want to share is just the definition. If you just look on Google, what is the definition of flexibility? And it's actually kind of fun. So it fits really well with what yoga is. It's the ability to be easily modified, the quality of bending easily without breaking, the willingness to change or compromise. So... As one of my teachers would say, the measure of a yoga practice is not how much you can touch your toes, but how much you can relinquish and be able to adapt and change. And adaptability is one of the biggest markers of mental health. And I think that's one of the main things that I get out of yoga practice and I love to emphasize. But there's a physical and mental, there's a psychosomatic relationship that happens so when we become more flexible in the hamstrings, maybe we become a little more adaptable mentally and emotionally as well. And I think that's true. From my experience and working with students, the more mentally and emotionally stressed and tense we are, the more the body reflects that and vice versa. It's not just one or the other. It's a thing that's happening at the same time. So if we have tensions in the body, they can easily become tensions and disruptions and disturbances in the mind and vice versa. So we always, for me, it's just daily maintenance. And, and the thing about flexibility is we lose it within a few days, actual muscular flexibility. We lose it with just in a few days of uh, not using it. So use it or lose it is one of the main principles of applying kinesiology to yoga and very simple, straightforward. Strength gains we keep for many weeks, so it takes a while longer to lose strength, but we can lose flexibility quite quickly because it's not really efficient and necessary for our survival as much as strength. We need to be able to outrun the tiger. We don't necessarily, as humans, need to be able to outbend a tiger. We need to be able to outrun it. So being flexible and nimble is helpful, but it's secondary to strength. And being adaptable mentally is helpful, but it's not as important as being able to know what's going to kill us and where to protect ourselves. So it can be more easy for the body to hold on to stress and tension in the body because that's a protective mechanism. 
And our brains are hardwired to avoid danger rather than to seek pleasure. So we tend more towards avoiding and protecting. So the body reflects that, the mind reflects that. So doing yoga is actually, in a way, very evolutionary act. It's something that wouldn't have really been possible and necessary or necessary uh, many, many thousands of years ago when we were just surviving in the uh, sort of chain of food where we were more likely to be eaten. Now we're kind of out of that as humans. And uh, there's, there's an evolutionary thing that happens of having this choice to not have to just survive, but to thrive now. And being flexible is part of that. But to do that, we don't just want to try to touch our toes and just force ourselves into shapes. And if we do that, the body, because it's more adapted to want to be strong and survive, has the Golgi tendon organ, which essentially is the governor on the muscles, which says if we I just like reach for my toes and just force myself into a stretch, that's going to say, hold on, wait, protect, don't overstretch, don't tear the muscle. We need that muscle to survive. So I'm going to make sure we don't overstretch. So these more modern issues of overstretching, especially among like gymnasts and dancers, is you know something that's very new and and uh, something that where we're focusing on flexibility as a means in itself, just to be flexible, without really aware of like how it affects the whole system. Uh, that's where we can lead to injuries and issues, and ultimately, we don't want to be stretching into the tendons and ligaments. We want to be stretching the bellies of the muscles. The muscle fibers are the most flexible. The tendons and ligaments are very dense and meant to be more uh, st stabilizing parts of the body. So the muscles are meant to be more mobile. So we do want flexibility, but we also want strength. So to get the flexibility, there's at least four different types of stretching we can do. And the most common that we do in almost every yoga class, maybe you know, maybe you don't, it's called passive stretching. So that's where, for example, if I'm in Paschimottanasana, the seated forward fold, the legs are extended, and I fold at the waist to reach for the feet, that's passive because there's no activation happening, there's no intentional contraction I'm emphasizing, I'm just lengthening the muscles no resistance, no contraction anywhere in general. Of course, to do that movement, there needs to be contraction of the hip flexors to some degree. And uh, ideally though, we can contract the quadriceps as well, and that's gonna help lengthen the, the hamstrings, the back of the legs. But that's passive stretching. So we're just going into the, the stretch. Then there's dynamic stretching, which is just what it sounds like and what you might guess. So rather than just going into the pose, we kind of gently come in and out of the pose. So going from uh, like a lunge, like a high lunge position to a pyramid pose. So you're bending the front knee, then straightening the front knee. And maybe you link this with the breath, inhale to lunge, exhale to pyramid pose. So that sort of smooth, continuous wave of motion back and forth in and out of a stretch. That's a dynamic stretching. Now that's gonna be more ideal early in the day or before exercising. Like if you're about to go for a run, you don't wanna do a bunch of passive stretching where you're lengthening the resting uh, length of the muscle fibers 
So the resting muscle length gets longer and it becomes more difficult to contract as needed when running or when exercising, lifting weights. You don't want to do a bunch of passive stretching before that because we want to be able to contract the muscles fully. Now, this was a big misunderstanding I had for many years thinking, well, if I contract my muscles daily and exercise and focus on that, the muscle fibers will adapt and become shorter and it'll become more difficult to lengthen them. It's actually not how it works. And it's a big common mistake and misunderstanding. So every muscle in our body can do two things, contract or lengthen. And ideally, we want to do both very, very well and efficiently. That's neuromuscular efficiency. So if we can do a bicep curl and contract the arm, that's great. And we want to be able to do that, but we also want to be able to lengthen the biceps and extend the elbow. And ideally, without holding tension, without adding resistance, without becoming hypertonic, where we're constantly holding tension in the muscle. So we're able to contract and lengthen it. And dynamic stretching is doing that, contracting and lengthening. So that's great. Then there's another form of that called ballistic stretching. Now, maybe you did this in high school gym where you like sit in butterfly pose or bound angle pose, Baddha and you let your knees just kind of bounce up and down in the butterfly sort of wing thing. Uh, and you think, well, that's going to kind of loosen everything up and maybe get me into a deeper stretch. And it can, but it's not worth the risk. And I never teach ballistic stretching in yoga, but some people do. And you will go to classes where they'll say, like, bounce your knees. Bounce here, right? Bouncing in any stretch is not ideal because it's often going to be lengthening the connective tissue of the ligaments and tendons, which are not meant to be stretched as much. They need, they need to be more stable. So the ballistic stretching is not going to emphasize the belly of the muscle nearly as much as the connective tissue. It's way more likely to cause injuries and create instability, especially like the butterfly flapping wings thing. It's going to be stressing and uh, lengthening the connective tissue around the hips. And pelvic instability is a major issue, especially for women who've given birth. And later in life, people who do that kind of thing over and over again for the long term might need to get a hip replaced or something like this. So no ballistic stretching, but it is a form and you do see it sometimes and some people just don't know and they think maybe it's good. So let's do it. Maybe it seems like a good idea, but I do not recommend it. Uh, if you have extremely good control of your body, maybe, and you're really mindful of like when you're stretching muscles, when you're pulling connective tissue, but still it's just not necessary. You could do dynamic stretching, which is like a slower version of that, much slower and much more focused on just contracting and lengthening the bellies of the muscles, not so much the connective tissue. Then there is one more type of stretching. It's a little different. It's called uh, PNF stretching, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Now, this is essentially contracting, holding that contraction, activating the Golgi tendon organ that says, oh, okay, I got the full contraction of the muscle, I'm in control, everything's safe. And then you let that go, and the Golgi tendon organ says, all right, everything's strong and stable here, we've got 
We're going to survive. If we need to run, we can run. We're strong. We can activate when we need to activate. Now let's lengthen. Let's release that tension and lengthen the muscle fibers. So that allows us to become more flexible. And you've likely, if you've done any of my classes, you've probably seen me teach this at some point. For example, like if you're in a low lunge, Anjaneyasana, the back knee is down, the right knee, so let's say the right foot is forward and the low lunge, left knee is down. So if you shift your hips back into half splits, Ardha Hanumanasana, the right leg is now straight, and that's a passive stretch, just folding over the right leg. You can make it a dynamic stretch by coming in and out of the lunge and back to the half splits. Lunge back to the half splits. With the breath, no rush, not ballistic stretching where you're going really fast, but dynamic stretching where you're going with the breath and no rush. Then you can turn this into a PNF stretching by coming forward into the lunge, front knees bent, go back to the half splits, but don't go all the way to straightening the right leg. Go about 80%. And from there, keep that little bend in your front knee press your heel down into the floor and energetically pull the heel back towards the body. So you don't actually move it. That's why I say energetically because you're using the resistance of the mat and the floor to stop you. So you're pushing down so much that you can't pull back. So it's equal pushing down and pulling back. That keeps your foot right where it is and doesn't move it. But what happens instead is your hamstrings contract because the hamstrings are knee flexors. So when the knee goes into flexion, your heel moves towards your tail, that's the hamstrings contracting. So we hold that contraction. And in yoga, we don't use weights or bands necessarily, in most cases. So we use the floor and the mat for resistance. And it's really good for the muscles to have resistance. And that really helps flexibility. So I'm speaking, of course, in a completely physical aspect of yoga. We're just talking about the exercise science stuff. Of course, I talk about philosophy and spirituality and breath and energetic anatomy and all that other stuff in other contexts. But here, we're just talking about the muscles of the body, understanding the anatomy of what's happening. So to get this PNF activation of the, of the stretch, you dig your heel down and back, hold that contraction, and then when you let it go, your body says, okay, safe, relaxed. I'm able to be strong and contracted when I need to. So now let's lengthen the hamstrings and allows a little more room to lengthen. So now when you go into Ardhana Manasana, the half splits, the back of the leg, the hamstrings are not holding as much tension because they know they're safe. They can contract when they need to and they don't need to protect themselves from being overstretched uh, and Everything works a lot better that way. It just works. It just is amazing. And I had tight hamstrings for a long time and learning this stuff was incredibly helpful. It shows up really commonly in the neck as well. Just working with a student, right? Common neck tension. The sternocleidomastoid is like a strap muscle uh, along the sides of the neck, one on each side. And it tenses up quite a bit. It gets very tight and to the point where sometimes you can't even really turn your head. And what do most people do? What have I done in the past? What have you maybe done? Oh, it's tight. So it's excessively contracted. So maybe I'll just lengthen it and stretch it. So I'm going to stretch to get more flexible. And that's the common 
misunderstanding and it's oftentimes it can work too so it's not just always wrong but it's often if that's the only technique we're using it's not always going to work so we want to know there's different methods of stretching so i could do a dynamic stretch where i lengthen and contract but how do we contract the neck we can use our hand to create resistance so as i move for example my well, say my left side of my neck is tight and then move my right ear towards my right shoulder like a sort of a lateral flexion so ear towards the shoulder that's going to lengthen the left side now if i want to contract it i've got to move the other way so lateral flexion to the other side left ear to left shoulder but that's not really enough to get the contraction so then we do the p and f stretching because that's going to give us resistance so put my hand to my left side of my head try to move my left ear to my left shoulder but my hand blocks it equal resistance and now i'm contracting the neck and hold that contraction for a moment and then let it go and bring the right ear to the right shoulder right so and i wouldn't do the ballistic stretching where i'm just kind of whipping my head left to right that's not going to help anything right instead not just a passive stretch where i just lengthen the side of my neck not just a dynamic stretch where I go in and out of that lengthening, but the P and F stretching is very helpful for the neck where I add the resistance, hold that tension, and then the, the signal goes to the, from the brain like, oh, okay, I'm strong, I'm able to contract here, and let's recruit all the muscle fibers to hold this contraction, and everything activates, turning on all of the muscles, shortening the muscle fibers, and then I let it go and move my right ear to my right shoulder. And then all those muscle fibers I just brought awareness to can lengthen. And that's ideal when there's a really tight spot. Now, these are just different tools in your tool belt. I'm not saying any of them are better or worse. Sometimes just doing a passive stretch feels amazing. And more ideally, if you're already pretty well practiced and embodied and you're not coming into your practice with a whole bunch of extra tension. Uh, dynam or dynamic and passive stretching are great. But if you are starting with a major tension, uh, this is something I always teach about in the teacher training and weave into my classes. If you have any area of tension you're starting with, what do you do? Do you just stretch it? Do you need to strengthen it? Okay, well, I'll do this PNF thing. Is that the key? Do I need to strengthen it now? I say there's three things, release, strengthen, and stretch. So release, strengthen, and stretch. So if I start with neck tension, I want to do this P and F thing. That's probably going to help me release that tension a bit. So release, done. Now I want to strengthen the muscle. So it becomes well adapted to handle more stress in the future. Because if I just stretch it now, it's that's okay. That's That's totally fine. But it hasn't become stronger and adapted to be able to handle more stress in the future. So strengthening first and with the neck again, the hand to the head, lean into the hand, create that resistance is a good way to do that. And then stretching, which in this case, I would say passive stretching would be best in that sequence. So releasing maybe with a therapy ball, massage, self myofascial release, then strengthening with resistance then stretching can be passive dynamic or p and f but that sequence is incredibly powerful and high it's 
I weave into all my teachings and everything I teach as a teacher trainer. Uh, it's been essential for me to relieve tension in my body. And daily, if something arises when I do my daily practice, able to work it out within sometimes a single pose, but sometimes minutes, uh, but not nearly the, the weeks and months that I've had in the past of low back pain, tight hamstrings, shoulders, neck. You know, I've had all these issues and learned this is a really powerful way to do it. To know there's four different types of stretching we can use. We're really working with the neurological uh, the neurological system, the nervous system, and it's most stretching, as one of my early teachers would say, is it's all neurological. It's not just muscular in the body, but it's the brain and the signals to the body. So this whole approach I've shared today is really helpful for working with that system. Just doing passive stretching, you're going to run into limitations. You're going to create imbalances and issues. You can do it for a while, and I did it for three years, just passive stretching, because I'd been doing weight training for three years prior to that. So my body was ready for passive stretching, and is very uh, it worked well. And of course, throughout yoga, there is a lot of active stuff weaved in just by the nature of asana practice. And there's a whole lot of the mental component, just with their meditation and mindfulness, where we really start to uh, re to regulate the nervous system in a powerful way that allows a lot of this to happen. Uh, but then you start to reach this limit. And if you've been practicing for a few years, you've probably reached that point of chronic back pain or chronic tightness in a certain area. And it doesn't really make sense because yoga is so powerful and it's been so helpful with so many things. And this is where we've got to look to modern exercise science and kinesiology and physical therapy. And we learn these types of things. So I weave that into all of my teaching and everything in my teacher training and I uh, hope you found this helpful, kind of giving away some of my secrets in the teacher training here. And uh, I'm a little, actually a little uncomfortable about like how much I shared in this episode. It's, you know, a lot of uh, stuff in the teacher training. So I hope you find it helpful. And if you want to learn more, you can uh, get on the waiting list for the next teacher training at quietmind.yoga. And follow me on Instagram at jeremy.quietmind. On YouTube, I've got other podcasts. It's all in the show notes. I really appreciate you listening. And if you enjoy this, please leave a review, uh, share it with a friend. Let me know what you want to see more of. Uh, you can always reach out at jeremy.quietmind on Instagram. And thank you for checking this out. Hope you have a great rest of your day and look forward to sharing more with you soon.